0: Hi everyone, so I'm recording this about a week after I returned from EAG Boston 2023 and I wanted to document some of the takeaways that I got from attending my first uh, effective altruism global conference and also just give an update on where I'm at and the process moving forward. So the first thing is the biggest takeaways that I got from EAG Boston. There were tons of great people there. It was great to network with uh, a bunch of people who are already very well established in the industry, as well as other areas of effective altruism like animal welfare and global health and wellness. I really enjoyed it. I was also a volunteer at this EAG, and I would highly recommend it. EAG loves their volunteers clearly. Um, They really appreciate the time that you put in as a volunteer and that shows I think they did a really good job organizing it and I would highly recommend considering going to an EAG if one happens to be near you You have a friend that's nearby that you can stay with something like that Because if you can volunteer and you can get low-cost housing then really all it costs is a plane ticket Which ideally you can get for pretty cheap Anyways, now to the more topical takeaways that I got from EAG. The first one, which was said by many people, especially the speakers, was to spend more of your time on targeted dissemination of your research. So what I mean by this is that when independent researchers do research, they often do the research, and then they maybe send it to a couple different people, but that's basically it. What the recommendation was, was to send cold emails to tons of people and to spend a relatively significant portion of your time doing this. Even 5% of your time specifically dedicated to reaching out to individuals and sending them tailored or semi-tailored emails with attached research that's relevant to them is going to be a particularly worthwhile thing to do. Additionally, just developing a network of people is going to be really helpful. If you can establish that network and say, oh, this person's seen my research before, this person knows this is the kind of thing I'm researching, they're more likely to engage with it the next time you send something. So sending things to the same people, choosing, People that are relevant to that specific research, looking into what they do, understanding how your research may impact what they work on, and sending these semi-tailored or fully tailored intros as part of the email along with an attached document. In addition, emailing people who are in public service positions, so congressmen, uh, senators, that sort of thing, they're paid to listen to you. So even if you feel like oh maybe they won't take the meeting or something, it's still worth sending it. And based on the information that I was getting from people there, they will take those meetings because that's their job. The next major takeaway that I wanted to talk about was that people in general are relatively big fans of a couple specific things that you can do while looking for potential research directions. So most people endorsed writing them down, giving them scores on varying domains, and visualizing this. So basically getting out an Excel or Google Sheets on one axis of the spreadsheet, you're going to put the different ideas. So let's say one of my ideas is to research the effect of machine learning on the risk of bioengineered pandemics. That would be one entry on this axis. On the other axis, you want to have various different metrics, things like, can I do this? Is this scoped well? Is this something that I think I actually have the capacity to do? What's the fit? Do I think I'm actually going to be able to add value to this domain by researching in it? Or does it feel like I won't for some reason? What's the impact if I succeed in doing this research and other things like that? There are multiple examples online for basically how to do this. And I will link a couple in the show notes so that you can get a better idea of the kinds of metrics other people are using and how they're visualizing this. So once you've done that, you're also going to want to write them down and basically give an abstract for what you think the research is gonna be, and then put them all on the same document and share that with a bunch of people and get feedback on what they think is the most important. The idea here is many minds are greater than one, and they're going to have insight into things that you will be able to do to leverage different ideas more or potentially insider knowledge into why one of these might be more difficult or less impactful than you initially think it will be. Once you've gotten some feedback you're going to spend some set amount of time researching each of the ones that are particularly promising and once you've researched them all the same amount you're going to go back and reevaluate both what you're thinking the research would look like and how they scored on the various metrics that you originally provided. It's important to spend roughly about the same amount of time on each of these. So you could spend two hours on all of them or on the professional end, I believe the researchers for charity entrepreneurship do eight to 10 hours for each of these different ideas and then reevaluate after that. This I think is is a principled, uh, well-defined way to pick research directions and could be really useful for me and for other people as they choose things to work on in the future. The third major takeaway is higher volume of feedback is better. So as a result, I am going to create an anonymous feedback form for the podcast that goes onto the website. And I'm also going to work on getting the Spotify response functional so that I can get feedback from you guys The fourth major takeaway was the publication of the paper titled Will Releasing the Weights of Future Large Language Models Grant Widespread Access to Pandemic Agents by Anjali Gopal and various other authors, including Kevin Esfeld. In this paper, the authors demonstrate that the current Lama 2 70 billion parameter version can be trained to become non-safe very easily and can then be used for assistance in bioterrorist attacks. This is basically the exact kind of research that I talked about in episode one with Remelt, except it's done way better than I could with a way higher budget and way more visibility. Having said that, it was only half of the original proposed research because I was also interested in the biological design tools which use AI. After talking to multiple different people with experience in biosafety, however, I think that this actually is more of a pure biosecurity question than it is relevant to AI, because what the biological design tools are is exactly that. They're a tool, and they should be regulated as such, but I don't think we need to have special additional considerations for them. So while this is something that I think should be addressed, I don't think that it's particularly AI focused, and that removes it as something that i feel is fit for the ai safety camp on top of that i don't think that my research with a team from ai safety camp would provide sufficiently more to the discussion presented in the paper that i mentioned earlier and at the same time it would contribute to increasing dual use information that's out there about this kind of endeavor. Because of that, i decided not to move forward with this research project. Unfortunately, that means that I won't be able to have an application to be a research lead for the upcoming AI safety camp because when I returned from EAG, I did not have enough time to finish an entirely new research plan. I also talked to a couple different podcasters while I was at EHE Boston, and I got some really good advice on podcasting in general, tools that I can use, and best practices. I'll be including those in more detail in an upcoming episode about getting this podcast started. The most important right now is that having a cadence is good not just for the listeners, but also for me, so that I can keep getting this content out to you guys. At the same time, I need a little bit of a cache ready so that I can keep releasing on a routine schedule without having tons of pressure if I have something that comes up during a given week. So I'm going to spend the rest of November developing that cache. Hopefully I'll get three or so episodes ready, and then starting early December, I'm going to release episodes every other week with the day to be determined. As I mentioned previously, I will also try to get comments set up on the website and get the podcast onto more platforms during that time. This month, I'll also be going to the EAGX virtual event, and I'm going to be applying to the winter 2024 MATS program. I'll be documenting this process, so the next episode will go into what the MATS application was like for me and how I went about answering the various different specific questions that are asked. Thanks so much for listening. Sorry this doesn't have more content, but I really am going to try to keep that content up starting in December every other week. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, queries, or coupons, please feel free to reach out at intoaisafety at gmail.com. I'll see you next time.